Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where we dive into conversations about psychedelics and healing. I'm your host, Christine. And I'm Leah. We invite you to listen with an open mind and heart and a little bit of curiosity while we break your brains along with some stigmas and make you laugh along the way. So let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of See You on the Other Side. Today, Leah and I have Chrissy Powers here with us. Chrissy is a trauma-informed therapist. Hi, Chrissy. Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So can you kind of give us a little bit of a background of what you do? We found you on Instagram. We love your content. Um, Thank you. It's very, very, very informative and relatable. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, Yeah. What do I do? What is my background? (laughs) It's very interesting because I started, um, I went to school before I was married uh, for my master's in psychology and wanted to become a therapist. And then met my husband, got married, had a baby. And so as I was getting my hours and getting licensed, I was also doing it sort of like slower, the mom way. (laughs) And so I was Um, but I was so proud of myself for doing that and getting my hours. I used to work with women, um, in eating and men in an eating disorder treatment center and dual diagnosis, um, and drug addiction. So that was pretty heavy work. Um, while at the same time I was building a private practice and, um, as I was, uh, at home during the day with my first son, I started to share more about that online and I started a blog and I, so I quickly grew, um, this mom following and I loved it cause I was like able to be creative. And, um, that was back in the day when you could just post cute pictures of your kid and then get a thousand followers. Yeah. <laughs> there were no so, rules and reels and yeah. there, there literally was not an algorithm. Love that. Um, but I, I um, loved it because I created a community or felt like I was part of this community of women that I have known now for 10 years. And I mean, we've all sort of gone our separate ways and done different things. Um, and my Instagram has definitely transformed <laughs> from what it used to be. But um, yeah, that's sort of how I got into online marketing, sharing about life and other tidbits to people that I felt like needed what I had to say. Um, And so then when the pandemic hit, I um, went back to work and started my private practice again. And that was very life-giving because we all know social media can really drain you. And it was taking a toll on my mental health. And so I knew I needed to transform my relationship with it and not find my worth and my, um, you know, financial security in it anymore. So I went back to work. Um, full-time as a therapist. And um, yeah, and the whole, the trauma work that I do was very much a part of my personal journey. And so anything I learn from my own personal life, I'm like, I got to help my clients with this, or I got to teach my clients this. So um, that's sort of how I kind of fell into the trauma work that I do. I love that. I think uh, that's kind of all any of it is, is like going through our own journeys and sharing what we're learning along the way. Um, Unfortunately for us, we are not therapists and we don't really have these credentials. So sometimes I feel like I am um, speaking on a lot of things and people are looking at me like, you don't know what you're talking about. And then we see your page and like the things that you're posting and we're like, yes, yes, this is what I was talking about. This is what we're talking about. Um, 
so you're very trauma informed. And I think that confuses a lot of people. Um, I have friends who go to therapy whose therapists aren't very trauma informed. It's more like just, um, talk therapy, like mm-hmm. venting and not really getting to the root of the problems. And, and I think that that's what Christine and I try to do on, on this podcast is, is invite people to really go within and figure out why and yeah. not just how to survive, but like, why are you feeling this way and how is it coming up for you? So how do you work with people through trauma? Like what different modalities do you use in your practice? Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like, and I probably used to be a therapist like that, that would just kind of give you coping tools and stuff. And I would stay up here. And then through my own personal work and my own journey of doing, um, you know, I went to onsite, I went to a couple other retreats. I've done ketamine therapy. I've mm. um, done one-on-one therapy with my own trauma-informed therapist and all of these things that I've been sort of interested in for myself and then got more training and helped me to go to the root because I can literally, I remember going to my therapist for the first time and I was like, I have debilitating anxiety and PTSD symptoms and I know what it's from. It's from this one traumatic moment um, with my oldest where I thought I lost him. We thought he was kidnapped and she goes, okay, okay. And she was like, "Um, that's not where it started. That's not where your anxiety started. And I was like, but you don't know, like this was so true. And she's like, no, I get it. She's like, that's not where it started though. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, but we did our work. We did so much work and she really found the root um, of it in childhood. And that's, that is so true for almost everybody is that we have these um, traumas and they start in childhood. And we don't like to believe that because a lot of us say we had like a great childhood. And it's true. You can have a great childhood, but you can also have trauma um, because trauma isn't just a big car accident or being sexually assaulted. Trauma is also not getting what you needed um, or just sort of hearing um, covert messages from the environment you're in. So yeah, so I, I really like to work with my clients in that way where we, you know, sit down. Of course, we want coping tools for what we're experiencing in the moment, but the work I do is really deep where we do get to the root of what is the messaging you got and what does your authentic self really want to be? And so, how do we let go of those messages that no longer serve us in adulthood? You know, we can put down those coping tools we can put down that message and we can try um, different things. We can try um, to be, you know, try different things to become the person that we have, we have always wanted to be. Yeah. And so that's sort of how I work with women, which is why I also say I'm a coach, because I very much love to um, challenge my clients to go to those places. I love that you said that all of us experience trauma because Leah and I are very vocal and very open um, about the things that we've struggled with and, you know, some of the things that we've been through. And I think sometimes people around us may think of that as weak and often a comment that I get um, from people around me is, oh, well, you have that trauma. I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't have trauma like you have trauma. 
And so I'm, I'm glad that you stated we all have trauma because I think people think of it as these big, big things, you know, rape or abuse or whatever. And it's not necessarily what happens. It's, it's what happens inside of us. Yeah. That's traumatic. I guess, um, like we both have several friends, you know, who experience debilitating anxiety and go through bouts of depression and their childhoods probably look really good. So they don't think to go further than like, you know what I mean? Like they look at our childhood and they're like, yeah, but I didn't grow up like you. So that's not where it comes yeah. from. Yeah. So yeah. I think what I'm hearing you say and what I believe is no, that is where it started. It just, there's a difference in CPTSD and PTSD. And I, kind of wanted to ask you about that today, like how you explain the difference to people and how you get them to recognize that there's something there that they're missing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So CPTSD <laughs> is much more complicated because it's, um, uh, yeah, like it might be that you have had a really good childhood, but it was like, a lot of high expectations, a lot of pressure. And so you wouldn't know, like my symptoms from anxiety come from that versus no, I had everything I needed and you know, no one abandoned me or this, I'm just using like a personal example. (laughs) I had wonderful parents, but at the same time I, I was in an environment that was super like a pressure cooker. And so I would say that was complicated PTSD. Um, and other people in that system that maybe didn't experience it that way, um, would just look at that and say, Oh, she's just exaggerating or dramatic or, um, that didn't happen to me. I didn't experience it like that. I literally had a a woman that I grew up with comment on something I posted on Facebook. And she said, well, I grew up in the same church as you. And that wasn't what it was like for me. And I was like, I'm glad that wasn't what it was like for you, but that's what it was like for me. And in the past, I wouldn't have had the wherewithal. I would have probably questioned myself. Like, am I, am, is, am I okay with my emotion? Like, am I over, you know, blowing out of proportion. Um, but now I was like, absolutely not. That is called gaslighting. And I'm not going to like, let that be on my page. So I'm like, delete. Um, Good for you. So yeah. Um, CPTSD oftentimes looks like, you know, when you're in relationships with a narcissist, um, and they're very charming and they, you know, the relationship dissolves and then you're left with all these really weird, complicated emotions and you are, or symptoms. And, um, and, and it can look like, you know, anxiety that morphs into other things that, you know, you wouldn't even think about, but then that's where it comes from. So hopefully that <laughs> describes a little bit like PTSD um, can look different. I think when we say PTSD, we immediately think about people coming back from war. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like the typical, oh, you must have that. But you can have CPTSD from childbirth. You can have it from lots of different um, scenarios that might not be as overt. Overt. 
Well, hey there, shroomies. We are so excited to have our first official sponsorship with Colors Gummies, a game changer in the world of mushroom-infused treats. So let's dive into what makes Colors Gummies so unique and why we love them so much. For sure. Unlike other brands who use ground-up shrooms, Colors uses nano-mushroom extract from organically grown mushrooms. Their exclusive extraction process ensures purity and potency, making them five times more robust than raw mushrooms alone. Plus, their gummies carry a full-spectrum blend of tryptamines for that one-of-a-kind experience. That is amazing. So what about dosing precision? Yeah, so Colors addresses this issue with their proprietary nano-extract. It's water-soluble, ensuring a one-to-one dissolution ratio in water. No more unpredictable experiences, just a consistent and reliable dose every time. Ah, I love that. Okay, now let's talk comfort because sometimes I get shroom tummy, but not with colors gummies. Oh my God, same. And there's a reason for that. I always thought it was just completely unavoidable when taking shrooms. But with colors, their extraction process isolates active compounds, leaving behind the indigestible compounds. They're gentle on the stomach, so no shroom tummy with colors. Convenience is crucial too. Colors gummies are heat resistant and perfect for on the go. There is nothing worse than finding your melted mushroom chocolates in the bottom of your bag. Holy shit, right? <laughs> like good luck dosing that out. Colors gummies remain solid, heat resistant up to 180 degrees, but who the fuck is going in 180 yeah, degrees? <laughs> and if you are, you're not dosing mushrooms. <laughs> They're convenient for any adventure, so no mess, even distribution, reliable dosing, and a shareable experience. Okay, so now let's talk purity. Colors is committed to all natural and no synthetics. Yeah, so many brands use synthetic lab-derived compounds, but not Colors. They're committed to clean products free of inorganic lab-derived compounds, and all of their products undergo third-party lab testing for potency and purity. So there is a whole range of products from Colors, including microdoses, perfect for those starting their journey or seeking a lighter dose, the double strength pouch for a more robust experience, and my new personal favorite, the Amanita Muscaria gummies for relaxation and stress relief. Ah, I love them too. They are also vegan, gluten-free, and made with real fruit juices and purees. Colors gummies are artisan-made and hand-poured for a truly exceptional experience. Ready to embark on a journey or microdose with Colors? Visit the Colors Gummies link in our bio and use our code OTHERSIDE15 for 15% off your purchase. And most importantly, be safe and dose responsibly. Hell yeah. Siblings. Sibling relationships is is another one too. Yeah. So coming out of that... um, Let's get into the TikTok that we saw this morning that somebody sent to us, because I feel like this is all kind of on the same level. It was um, an older mother mother, kind of going on a rant about how entitled this new generation is and how they are, you know, speaking out and speaking against their parents and they would never do that to their parents and, and this how generation, disrespectful how it disrespectful is. it is. And, um, you know, I'm coming out of a situation with, with family right now where there was so much toxicity and in the past couple of years, there's been a lot of pushback about, you can't speak to me like that. You can't treat me like this. And it, finally just ended right before the holidays in a, in a no contact situation. 
And that's extremely common right now in a lot of like familial systems, I think. Um, I think we're learning a lot of things about what's abuse and what's toxic and what's healthy and we're standing out Mm -hmm. against it. So I don't know, like we were talking about it this morning because I really think accountability goes such a long way. So these people, these older generations, the parents that we're having to cut off are like, it's so disrespectful that they would cut us off like this. But I'm like, all I'm wanting is some accountability and Mm -hmm. an apology and some recognition and to be understood. (laughs) Yeah. And to stop being wounded. Yes. Mm. And so it's not, I don't think anybody's perfect. I, you know, I'm a parent myself. I know I fuck up. I know I'm going to fuck my kids up somehow in some way. And in 30 years when they come to me, I'm going to have to say, you know, I'm really sorry. I did that. Yeah. Why do you think it's so hard for these older generations to hold themselves accountable or to apologize when that's really what Um, we want? It's a very good question. Um, they don't have the infrastructure for it. So they don't have what we have. They don't have the knowledge. They didn't grow up with social media. Not that we necessarily grew up with it, but we have much more um, involvement in it. Um, And we have a lot more education on emotional wellness um, and just language for it. So I think the older generation doesn't have that unless they're in that field or doing that work or interested in it or have an open mind. Um, but it's harder for them. So, um, I have a lot of empathy for my parents and their generation because I know that they, um, are operating out of their own trauma. Yeah. And so if you could get them to see generational trauma, like, yeah, in our family, there's been this theme and I've located it, I've seen it. And so I'm trying to undo that. Um, but I can't undo it if you don't honor my boundaries or if you don't see it as well. And so when you say, no, that's not true, that didn't happen, that's not how it is, that is called gaslighting. And that is also a form of emotional abuse because now you're telling me what I feel and think isn't true. So I think with that generation, if we can have some empathy and and if they're open to having that, that talk, then education helps a lot. Or, hey, try reading this book try listening to this podcast, then you might understand what I'm experiencing and what I'm learning and how I'm growing. And so having a growth mindset, I mean, we teach that now in school. My kid is learning it in fifth grade, growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And I'm like, that's amazing. Mm, I I love love that. that. Yeah. We didn't have that. And so we're learning this at a later age that kids now know. And so if you think about it, it's just it just wasn't available to them because their parents were probably from the generation that, you know, went through the great depression. And so when you look at it through the trauma lens, you can see that trauma just infiltrates down the family system, down the line. And then we are the generation of, um, change makers. We are cycle breakers. We're stopping it. And they, and, And sometimes you have to go no contact to stop it. So yes, it might look disrespectful to them because that's the language that they had for it. Right. But for you, you're saying this is self-preservation. This is so that I don't 
carry it down and give it to my kids. Yeah. And so it it may be very hard to do that because you're saying I have to go no contact. But if your parents have sort of an open mind and you can have those hard conversations, I've had a couple with my parents where my mom's like, I know you made it kind of sound like childhood was bad. And I was like, no, 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 mom. Like I'm just experiencing, or I'm just sharing what my little brain was doing at that age with everything going on. There's so many good parts. Um, and I don't blame my parents because when we blame them, then we don't actually do the work to heal ourselves. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I guess the difficult part, and this is in my own experience, but I, you know, I have a, another job where I see clients all day, every day, and it's waxing. It's not like a, you know, therapy session, although it is. It kind of is <laughs> like my clients <laughs> yeah. I've seen for like 12 years. And so I do end up in having like therapy sessions with them, but I've seen this like um, pattern in people trying to get their parents to understand. And even in my personal situation, like if I call out gaslighting this, like we don't know what gaslighting means, stop using that word. And I'm like, just look it up. Like I'm trying to tell you what it means, but you're exactly right. There's that like rigidity of, thought where they don't even want to hear any of the things that we're seeing on social media that we're kind of deep diving into. And, and that's where it's painful um, is, is realizing that like you can't keep growing in that type of environment. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had the co- a couple conversations recently with my clients where we just grieve that we just say, we're grieving the limitations of our parents. We're grieving that you actually outgrow your parents at a certain age. Yeah. And most people do. Um, It is a rite of passage. It's actually a good sign of growth to outgrow your parents, but it is a grief. Yeah. And um, I think all of us want parents that are open-minded, that are just still accepting and loving no matter what, you know? Um, and I, I think so each process is different of grieving that. Wow. You have talked, um, a lot about having a mental health positive family. What does that look like? What does that look like? (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, we definitely fuck up a lot. (laughs) We tell our, I think having a mental health positive family means that you talk about mental health. You talk about it. Like it's a normal thing, like going to the doctor. Um, and you are doing it's, it's both parents are doing the work. So they're doing their own work to heal, whether that's, you know, coaching therapy, doing yoga, meditation. We're all interested in, learning more about our brains and our behaviors and how we operate. Um, Because both parents do that, that will overflow to your children. Um, And so having both parents doing the work and interested in mental wellness is a huge, probably the number one thing about having a mental health positive family. But yeah, just like having, you know, books around and, and talking about it and naming the elephant in the room having family meetings and saying, Hey, we understand you have emotions. We under, we see it. 
can can you talk about it? If you don't want to talk about it, do you want to talk about it with somebody else? Like, so it's it's naming emotions, it's giving words to it, it's kind of doing this work that you guys are doing and I'm doing, but already with our kids and letting them see you struggle, letting them, you know, there will be days where I say, I'm so sorry that I was so short with you or yelled. I'm just having a really hard day. I'm stressed. I got this going and that going and this going and I didn't handle it well. So then my kids end up using that word all the time. I'm sorry, mom, I'm just stressed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think that's amazing. You should share what you were just sharing with me about what you do with Elle. I was literally thinking that because I'm also thinking I need to do more. Um, Mm -hmm. I have three kids and, uh, my two boys are older and, you know, they're not as like, <laughs> they're not as warm and fuzzy as they used to be. Like, just like, oh, mom, I don't need a good night tuck in or a kiss. But with my daughter, um, you know, sometimes I put her to bed and, and I sit and I talk with her for a little bit and I ask her, is there anything I did today that I could have done better? Or is there something that, you know, I need to work on? Or is there something I need to apologize to you for? And we were talking about it because I'm like, I think I need to start doing that with my husband at night. <laughs> like, every yeah, night. me too. Um, but on another level, hearing you talk about this, like mental health family, like we talk about feelings, you know, we do all of this, but I don't think I share enough, honestly, about where I am. And I'm starting mm-hmm. to think that maybe I should be more open and honest about when I'm going through a rough time. And why I need time to myself instead of just like shutting myself Mm -hmm. off in my room and not really explaining to them what's going on. Yeah. I'm like having these realizations as we're talking. I'm like, shit. (laughs) Well, and I think that there's like a huge misconception once you become a parent that you feel like you have to do things perfectly. Yeah. And I think the point of it is we're going to fuck up. We're going to mess up. We're going to yell at them or tell them the wrong thing. And that's okay because we are flawed human beings. And I think it's sometimes just okay to be like, listen, I am so sorry. I was such an asshole earlier. I had a really rough day and I did not mean to take it out on you. And just Mm. that accountability goes so, so, so far. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said that. And I, um, yeah, that's something my husband and I started doing a couple of years ago is saying, is there any, uh, any way I could love you better um, to our kids. And sometimes they don't understand exactly like our little, our middle son said, I need more hugs. And we're like, okay, done. That's easy. Easy. Um, And our oldest was a little bit more complicated, but it was really sweet to check in with them and have those, those check-ins like even weekly just say, you know, how are we loving you? Do you need something more from us? And um. Yeah, it was really sweet. Just like a a more humble stance on parenting that, you know, we don't necessarily know. I mean, each kid is different. Each kid wants to be something different. And so when you come at it with that, like there's no one size fits all for parenting, um, even in the same family. So having that open mind and becoming more um, empathic and asking them like, yeah, like I want to know you better. I want to love you better. Um, and then just letting that, you know, be that they get to have a safe space to open up and be authentic. 
that's just amazing. I think that's yeah. so great that you're doing that. There's like a meme that I've seen floating around. Somebody even sent it to me the other day. I've been seeing it floating around for years where it's like mom and a dad cartoon. And the mom's like, we're not going to fuck our kids up. And the dad's like, yeah, we're not going to fuck them up. And then the kids <laughs> in the stroller, like, and the little thought bubble is like, I'm going to be fucked up in a different type of way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what parenting is. Like we are going to mess up. We are going to overcompensate or do something our parents didn't do thinking that that's what our kids need because that's what we needed. And I'm hearing what you're saying now, like maybe that's not what our kid needs. Yeah. Like maybe they need something completely different. But I, I think that there comes so there's just holding yourself accountable is so big. Like, even though I know I'm going to mess my kids up somehow, if I can own that and, and, hold myself accountable for it and apologize for it. I think that there's like huge, huge progress yeah. just in that and huge growth in that. Yeah. And just giving them permission to come to you with no, with anything like, you know, could you imagine raising a perfect child? Like that just, no one has like, then they wouldn't have their own journey. Yeah. Right? They wouldn't have their own hero's journey or heroine's journey, which we all need to become full human beings. And so taking that away from him, like I always think that line in Nemo, finding Nemo, and he's like, I just wanted to protect him so that nothing happened to him. And then Dory's like, well, if nothing happens to him, then nothing happens to him. Ah. I was like, yes, that's it. Like we are all going to fail in some way, but it's, it's giving them that space to come to you and say, yeah, that hurt me. Um, And then you can say, well, tell me about it. I can hold this space for you now. And I'm sorry I did that. And now how can I help you heal? That's going to do more for them than if you parent in some sort of way that you think is perfect. So, yeah. And then I just joke that I'm saving, I have a therapy fund for each kid. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, Like I can give you free therapy. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and here's some money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Instead of saving for weddings, like that's what we're doing, saving for therapy. Oh, totally. <laughs> okay, so one of the things, not to like jump around here, but one of the things that we've been kind of wanting to talk about and we haven't really jumped into yet is attachment styles. Yeah. Because I know my attachment style and I remember probably over the summer, I said something to my husband because I'm like, well, it's not my fault. You're avoidant attachment. And he was like, oh my God, you have a label for everything. (laughs) I was like, no, like literally that's what you are. (laughs) And there's just something, can we go into like the attachment styles and what they are? Because I am like fascinated by the fact that like avoidant is usually a like attracted to anxious and anxious is attracted to avoidant. Like what the hell, which I'm anxious. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of women are anxious. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. There's anxious, avoidant, um, secure and disorganized. And so they start in childhood based off of your caregivers and how you connected with them. Um, And so I think, um, we can see how we behave in our relationships and how we are wounded in our relationships that often point to our attachment style. 
Um, so there's a really good book called Attached. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm listening to it and it's okay. really good. Um, <laughs> yeah, Attached. And, and it talks about all the different ways that, you know, we sort of manifest behavior through our attachment style. But um, I specifically love looking at attachment injuries within our relationships because they point back to our individual traumas um, or like our, you know, our attachment style with our, our caregivers. And so we play that out in our relationships. So that's why relationships are so great for healing, but we oftentimes stay at the surface level and we're like, but you did this. And then you did that. And then blah, 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 blah. And you stay right up here. And that's where you get stuck. And that's where people just usually call it quits. But when you can do the work to go deeper than the surface level and you say, Hey, when you did that, I felt like this. And I told myself this story and it reminded me of when I was a child and I had no control and I was so afraid of my dad and I was so, you know, whatever that is. And then that person can say, okay, well, when you said this back to me, then I went here and I got so scared that I am never going to be able to please you. And so I felt inadequate, like a loser. And so I just left. And so that's attachment style is when you can talk about what happens in you when the other person um, hurts you and what, why are you either, you know, trying to go like usually anxious attachment is like, I'm going to text you and I'm going to talk to you and I want to talk about it until we figure it out. And the other person's like, that freaks me out. Yeah. 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 So when you can learn each other's attachment styles, you can have empathy for them and you can say, okay, I know that's his attachment style. I know it's not me. I'm going to give him the space he needs. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to soothe myself since I know I'm anxious and I got to do that work mm. to calm myself down. And then that in turn creates a secure attachment in your relationship. Wow. So <laughs> I have heard this a couple of times, like, you know, there is some incredible potential for growth in these opposite attachment styles when you're in a relationship with someone, because there have been times where I have thought that maybe finding someone who isn't avoidant (laughs) would be better for me, Mm -hmm. but then I wouldn't be growing, right? Like there wouldn't be that duality in the relationship. There wouldn't be that coming together. And I am incredibly I'm going to cry because I feel like <laughs> what we were talking about earlier before we had you on, like I'm incredibly lucky that my husband is on this journey with me, like, mm-hmm. and is growing and learning. And yeah. I I think about that sometimes because he doesn't feel like he's enough for me, you know, because he's like, you need yeah. so much. <laughs> and I'm like, I, but I don't. <laughs> But I do, (laughs) but I do, but I think that like what, what I love about it is that we're both willing to learn more about each other and talk about those things that you just said. Like when you did this, I felt this, and this is why I froze. And when you did this, this is why I, you know, attacked. Well, yeah. And our, we share the same psychiatrist, but whenever I go and see him, And when Tony, my fiance has come with me, oftentimes when we are discussing something that maybe we're 
disagreeing on, he always says, how old are you right now in this moment? Yeah. And I will say, well, honestly, I feel like I'm five and I feel like, you know, I have this abandonment wound. And when we get in these tiffs, I feel like my partner is going to abandon me. And then I go off the rails and even having those discussions and my partner being present and realizing how, how deep it goes and how far back it goes, it gives them a better understanding and vice versa for each other. And we've learned how to communicate and we've learned how to fight yeah, and argue in a healthy yeah. way where we're both, you know, we are at a disagreement, but we're trying to listen to understand instead of listen to be like, oh yeah, well you did this and you did this and this back and forth. Like listening to win. Yeah. Or like arguing to yeah. win. Cause we used to argue to win. Yeah. 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 Oh, I so identify with that. <laughs> um, oh, that's so good that you guys are already doing that. And that's, you know, just Leah to, you know, confirm what you were saying about relationships is I've often had that thought where I'm like, if I just married someone that wanted what I wanted exactly. And, you know, had the same sort of zest for life like that I do. And like, you know, could just be like me. I think things would be so much better. And then I kind of can pull myself out of that and do this bird's eye view of things and realize like, wow, I attracted what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. I attracted what I needed. Yeah. And really all you need is what you have, this mindset of I'm willing to do the work with you. That's it. I mean, that's literally what growing older is. I didn't think it, I didn't used to think that way. And now I'm like, that's what growing older is. Like we are growing together Mm -hmm. and sometimes it feels like this and sometimes it feels like this, but we're always like evolving so yeah. you're right though. Cause that, sometimes I'm like, God, if somebody was just like empathetic, like me, and then I'm like, Oh God, that'd no. be too much. I could too not much. handle another, be a me. lot of feelings. Like my five-year-old's a lot like me. And I'm like, Jesus, I could not imagine being married to that. <laughs> like totally. I love her, but she's like me. <laughs> so do you think it's yeah. possible? This is something that I was thinking about because, you know, I don't think I had a lot of emotional support as a child. I I mean, I don't think. I know I didn't. And I know he didn't. So is it possible, too, that sometimes you can grow out of the same environment and become a different type of attachment style? Yes. Yes. Ooh. I think that's where we heal our wounds. Um, I always say, like, you might always have a default. Sort of like it's easier to go that way you know, like a computer program, like, cause basically zero to five is the programming we get and we're blank computers and we're like, here's your program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it, the, I mean, I think the longer you work on things and the more you, like we were talking earlier about psychedelics and the use of the, that in therapy, I think that is insanely beneficial to changing your thought process and the neurons in your brain so that you can heal from things like an anxious attachment style. Um, So yes, the answer is absolutely. We have a brain that's neuroplastic. We can change. And the more we heal our, in our relationships, the more secure they get. So, you know, that person's not going anywhere. Um, And they're going to be honest with me about things. It might not be right away, 
but hey, if we're continually doing the work or we have a check-in weekly, or I just know like I'm feeling something's off, I have to bring it to the table. Um, yeah, 100% you can heal anything, I think. So one day I'll be able to be, um, what's the good one? Not that, not, that, like, not that there's good or bad. I know that they're all different. So one day I can like work on, I'm working towards being a secure attached person. I think we're both working towards that. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I think there's times in our lives when um, circumstances, things happen, stress happens, where our window of tolerance shrinks and you might default back to being more anxious. And that just might not be in anything even conscious. It's just wow, this phase of life is so hard. I'm having a hard time remaining in my health because I need, I need something. I need more. I need time. I need space. I need uh, my partner to show up more in a different way. So it's okay if you struggle and you're not always feeling secure in everything in life. So I have a question. We've talked a lot about healing and doing the work but there are a lot of people who have experienced trauma and they don't do the work because they don't want to do the work because it's hard and it's painful and it takes a, you know, a lot of vulnerability. But what happens when you don't address those traumas and you just push it down, push it down, push it down? Yeah. Um, depression, anxiety. PTSD, um, you know, manifest what you want in life. Uh, a lot of, a lot of bad things happen when you push down your trauma. Uh, but the body always wins disease. Mm. Gabor Mate talks about that in his books mm. that, um, we literally can manifest disease in our bodies when we push down trauma and we don't look at it. Um, the body has a way of wanting us to heal. That is so beautiful that I actually like thanked my body for my anxiety and my panic attacks after I healed, of course, because I was like, Oh my gosh, she was showing up for me when mentally I was telling myself I'm fine. Just power through. Um, this just runs in your family. Like I would just say all these things that would override it instead of being like, Hey, you have to leave the system you have to go do some woo-woo stuff to get better. You have to go move your body. You have to, like all of those things have helped me to heal from my own personal trauma. But if you stuff it down, I just, the body will tell you through any different form of symptoms. I think that's the wild thing. We talk about this a lot and I think it it maybe triggers some people who um, aren't open to hearing it, but I don't think depression is just like, I think if you're like, well, it just runs in my family. I was just going to bring that up. You're, you're allowing yourself to be powerless to it and you're just accepting it mm -hmm. for what it is and not what it could be, which is there's something deeper there that you need to look into. And the same with anxiety and panic attacks, you know, I can always like pinpoint where I'm feeling anxious, but that's not the reason I'm feeling anxious. Like, it's like what you said, there's something there that lives within my systems that is like, this feels unsafe. It reminds me of this time. And I really have to work hard at figuring out what that is. Yeah. 
to really understand it and be like, Oh, okay. All right. I'm okay. That happened when I was a kid. It's not happening now. Mm-hmm. So it just goes so much deeper than, than I have a chemical imbalance that, yes. yeah. And that's, that's really controversial to say, because I think mm-hmm. mental health in general is having a big moment right now. And oh, yeah. a lot of people are, um, I'm on Zoloft and that's okay. I take Prozac and that's okay. And it's okay to not be okay. And whereas Christine and I, you know, the reason we call this see you on the other side is because we're like, there's another side to this though. There is a completely different side to this where you don't have to be on those medications for the rest of your life. And I see you do like, um, I saw you do ice bath stuff with one of your children which yeah. was freaking awesome. So that's kind of where we're going. Like we've done like the different woo-woo stuff. Psychedelics. <laughs> Psychedelics for sure. Like that's been huge in my marriage um, for healing and for self-accountability and for growth. What about you? Where where are you in the woo-woo? Like what have you done? Yeah. <laughs> um, Love it. I just have to disclaim it with my 20 year old self would never believe who I am today. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in a really um, super fundamentalist Christian church, which parts of it were so beautiful and they still pray for me, the people that grew up with me. Um, and I love that and I value that so much, but there were some rules that didn't really work for me. Um. And that no longer, I can no longer have to believe them. Um, So anyways, um, I just put that disclaimer on that. It took me a while to open up to other things that could be healing because they had such a small framework for healing. I thought you, um, if you, you need to pray, you need to read your Bible, you have accountability, and then you see a Christian therapist. And so I had a really small box of healing Mm. and that worked for a time, but it didn't really get to the root um, until I was just wrecked with anxiety and panic and PTSD. So um, that's when I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go to like a retreat center. I'm going to try something else. I'm going to try inner healing prayer. I'm going to try. So I tried those things. And then I, after that, I was like, Hey, that's good. But I still, (laughs) So got some anxiety. So then I, I did a women's circle online um, and the coach taught us nonlinear movement. And I was like, what is this thing? And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I like it. I get really <laughs> angry. And I, I could put my anger somewhere and I could move my body. And I, I was in this place where I was like, okay, I'm going to try some weird stuff and I'm going to just check my ego. And so my ego would show up all the time. Like, what are you doing? Look at you moving your hips. You look so sexual. You look like you think you're so hot. And I'm like, I'm going to check that ego and be like, but why? Why is that bad? Oh, because you never were allowed to be. That was demonized growing up. And so, um, yeah, nonlinear movement then became something huge for me. I went and trained with Michaela Boehm, who wrote The Wild Woman's Way. She's oh. like on Goop goop labs and things like that. She's awesome. So I did that right before the pandemic hit. And that was, I just met so many beautiful people. I was like, these people are so loving. And I would have been afraid of them Mm -hmm. like five years ago. And so 
I opened myself up to just love in a different form that was so healing. And so that led me to other things on site, um, which is an emotional wellness center in Tennessee. They have one in Ramona, which they use experiential therapy. So amazing. You guys. What is that? Oh, it's so good. It's group therapy for like, so there, I did their living centered program. My husband did um, as well. And so for six days, you turn your phone in, you don't even see anything. And it's amazing. And you work with the same group and you do experiential or or they call it psychodrama. And you take like a memory or something that you're working on and you utilize the people in your groups to work that out. And so I literally healed my inner four-year-old who was terrified of going to hell. And I had an emotional release, like, like you would on a psychedelic. I, after that, I was like, this was mind blowing. I felt like I was reborn. And then you're connected to these people. Wow. It's insane. We're going to have to look that up. I know. I want to like, I want to look this up for sure. Wow. Yeah. You should interview anybody from on site. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Therapist, my therapist there, they call them guides. They're all therapists, but um, yeah, just different things like experiential therapy. um, And um, yeah, even like opening myself up to plant medicine that I would never do. um, That has been so incredibly healing to the parts of my brain that were just so rigid from binary thinking and, you know, just the rules, like I mentioned that were really, um, uh, damaging. Yeah. To my psyche. Like the belief systems that like we were told to believe. Yeah. Those are like incredibly harmful. Um, you mentioned ketamine. Yeah. (laughs) I want to like, you know, we can talk about that. That's legal in a lot of places. I mean, it's legal everywhere. It just, I think that when it's used for healing, um, it has incredible potential to shake up those rigid thoughts. What was your experience like? Oh, it was so good. So I was, my husband's been like, he kind of is the pioneer for weird stuff in our family. So he was like, (laughs) he was reading like Michael Pollan's mind, your mind on plants book. And I was like, this is so interesting. He's like, babe, this is the the future of psychotherapy. You're going to have to look into this. And I'm like, okay. And so I was looking into it, reading pot, listening to podcasts. And I'm like, okay, so the only one legal right now is ketamine. So then I somehow, I think I was researching and up pops an ad for this place called Field Trip. And they had just opened a uh, clinic in La Jolla. And so I was like, huh, I wonder what it would be like to just do one, you know, one journey. And I wanted to do it because I wanted to be able to tell my clients about it. Like for any of my clients that were like treatment resistant to, you know, depression or really bad anxiety, um, and they weren't getting anywhere. And so I was like, I can't refer them to something I haven't tried. So, um, I just, you know, started the process and I was really scared. I was like, I've never done a psychedelic. I've never done any drugs. Like I was, my nickname was the nun in high school. So. (laughs) And look at you now. (laughs) I know I was literally, I was such a good girl. 
Um, and I still am. I tell my inner you child still all the time. are absolutely yes. yes. So good. You're so good. You're not doing anything bad. Mm-mm. So I did the process, and it was so loving and safe. Like you have a nurse with you the whole time, like a, a nurse practitioner, and you have a therapist sitting with you, and it's very intentional. You have your intention of why you're doing this and um, you're really trusting the medicine. I mean, I think with any psychedelic medicine that you do for healing, you're trusting that it's giving you what you need. Um, And that was probably the hardest part was just to release that and to just trust. And so when I did, I had just the best journey and I felt so deeply connected to the world and to the earth. And I was like, it's just all about love. Like I, and I let go of a lot of the fear I had around death. Um, and I, I think I went in with the intention of like, I just was like, I just want to see Jesus and I want to know the truth about everything. And so she's like, okay, well, you might not get that. And I was like, okay. And she's like, or you might have to die to get it. And I'm like, Ugh. like in my journey, I'm like, I don't want to die. But I really, I think I kind of did in my journey. I, um, I saw myself becoming one with the earth, like literally. Um, and it was the most calming, peaceful feeling I think I've ever had. And so that to me, when I came out of it was like, it's all going to be okay. Your fear of the afterlife, your fear of heaven and hell, your fear of death and losing people is it's scary, but it's all going to be okay because you have so much love. And I literally left and I like went to a hotel that night and I bought some snacks from the guy at the concession stand. And I just like looked at him and I was like, I love this man. (laughs) I didn't tell him that, but I looked at him and I was like, I'm connected to him. We are all All connected. It was just the best. I was like, if we could all just open ourselves up to this kind of healing, the world would be such a better place. I feel like she's an experimenter like us a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds a little yeah. bit like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I we haven't even talked about this. And we just did um, journeys this weekend with psilocybin and hadn't done that in a while. And it sounds a lot like it was kind of the same experience. I did kind of feel like I was dying and being reborn. Mm-hmm. And that was my first time feeling that way. We haven't done ketamine we have talked about it. We have talked to experts on ketamine. We have talked to therapists who work with ketamine. I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm wrong, but you might be moving into a, a different type of um, area. I know. Cause you know, I it's, it's coming up. It's, it's like, yeah. if I could go back to school to be a therapist for this movement, I yeah. would hundred percent. I yeah. really would. Yeah, I've applied. applied. Okay, good. I haven't heard back yet from Maps. I know you probably didn't Maps. Um, yeah, yep. <laughs> I've applied because I'm like I wanna, I wanna learn. I wanna. So yeah, we'll see. Maybe they'll accept me soon. And we you have would some, be such a good psychedelic. We have some therapist. people we could refer her to too, who yeah. aren't necessarily Maps, but who do this work and who train. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we can Please. help. We'll send you send their way because I'm so new. And, you know, I have ADD. So I'm like, I want to do this. I want to take women on a healing trip to France. I want to. And then I'm like. <laughs> Sounds like us. All these clients. So I'm like, okay, I just, I, it's going to come to me when I, you know, when it's ready. So I, but I am 100%. Oh my God. Well, down the road, like I know, <laughs> down the road, if you ever have a retreat, 
We'll be there. Yes. I yes. do. I do, you guys. So I have one in May. Come. What? Wait, you really do? I do. I do. We're we're going well, we, we need 10 women. So anybody listening, if you hear this by March 1st, um, I'm taking women to we're going to Paris and then we're gonna take the train to the Provence and we're going to work on the divine feminine and we're gonna see ourselves. Through the divine feminine, because did you know Mary Magdalene lived in the south of France and she preached and that's where she died? No. And she's the archetype of no. the Okay, so hang on a second. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> so you have to sign up by March 1st? You have to put a deposit down by March 1st. Okay. We're going to talk about this after. Yep. I was just going to say that. And we're going to have to plug this somehow. 100%. I do have a question about your ketamine journey, though. Was that like one journey or did you do like a series of things? I just did one. I did one journey um, and I wished that I could do more and I will probably do more. Um, But yeah, I did one ketamine journey and got that much out of it. My husband did the same thing and got that much out of it. But um, we've also utilized cannabis over the last couple of years. And I mean, I have to be honest, like I want to write a book someday that's like how cannabis saved my marriage because it really did. Really did. That would be like me with mushrooms. (laughs) How mushrooms saved my marriage. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, literally we went to couples therapy one night and we were in a fight the whole time and we left and our therapist like emailed us and she was like, I think you guys just need to take a gummy together. (laughs) It's really. Yeah. Because it takes down our defenses. Yeah. It calms down our egos. Yeah. And then we're able to, I can sit and listen to him. And I, I'm like, there are times where I just can't yeah, because of all this stress and activation in my brain. And so cannabis for us has been incredibly healing. I can't wait for you to try mushrooms. I know. <laughs> we need to stay in touch. <laughs> I feel like that's, you know, Christine's knows my husband and he doesn't really talk a lot and he's 19 months sober now from alcohol. But when he smokes with me or eats an edible with me, he talks. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. And I'm like, I like this side of you. Like, not all the time I get it, but like, we can really go deep. And that doesn't usually happen when life gets in the way and Mm -hmm. we're busy and getting the kids off to school and trying to go to bed because we're exhausted, you know? So, yeah, we we utilize cannabis on date nights a lot, too, for that reason. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It opens up so many good conversations. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. I wish you were here. <laughs> no, don't say no. That. You're. We wish we were there. Yeah, we wish we were there in you Southern know. California. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so we ne- we need to plug all your stuff. I want to put your. I want to put you on blast. Like we share a lot of your reels and some of the stuff that you post. Oh, but for all of our listeners, um, how they can find you? I saw that you do one-on-one coaching. Yeah. So it's not exactly like therapy. Um, so you utilize, you can do that over. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to be in person, right? No, I do it over um, a secure platform that okay. I use for therapy too. So I use, and um, yeah, with coaching, I see clients for like 90 minute sessions and we go real deep 
Um, it's much more solution focused and I have so many tools and homework and, um, a course and then a workbook that I give my coaching clients. And so we really do work on this deep stuff, um, and teaching, utilizing embodiment practices, um, as well. So I love, love, love coaching women. And then I also do, um, and men actually. So I also do sort of like if women and men are interested in, um, I have this business, but I feel like blocked in how I share or how I um, show up online authentically. I also sort of call myself a business therapist in that way, nice. um, which is really fun. And then I do one-on-one therapy online and in person in my private practice in Encinitas. Um, yeah, I have a couple courses that I don't talk about enough. So if you are just interested in that, you can go to my website and find my courses and um yeah fun good stuff's coming i definitely i'm trying to manifest this france trip that you know the right women that need to be there are gonna come yeah how can people find you on um social media yeah oh yeah find me at chrissy j powers and then from there you can click the link in my bio and contact me if you want to do a free consultation or um interested in this trip I talked about or coaching or anything. I'll just I'll get right back to you. This is the kind of therapist I feel like everybody needs. I know. Like you have so oh, many tools you. in your toolbox that I feel like that's like the perfect thing. I think a lot of therapists are just trying to get you to do one thing. And I don't I don't mean to like dog any of them because I know that there are a lot of good ones out there but you know in my experience yeah. it's it's very difficult to find someone who's willing to experiment the way that you have yeah. with a lot of the things that you have and this is what works for me and this is what has worked and this is what hasn't worked and here are all the different ways that take your pick uh, I love that I, that's so sweet to hear you say because I used to compare myself to other therapists. And I used to think I wasn't as professional because I would share my life online and I would, I would self-disclose and other therapists are like, you're supposed to be a blank slate. And I'm like, but I'm not. And, um, and I found that opening myself up to people in a more authentic way helped the therapeutic process because they trusted me more. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that that might not be for everybody. So that's fine. You know, you can find someone that's more, of that buttoned up professional, but, um, I just, it's very affirming to me that it actually does help to be the, the kind of therapist that I am. And I just actually saw started watching this show on, um, Apple TV called shrinking. And mm. it's about a therapist oh. who goes like, he calls himself a, a psychological vigilante because he totally starts like doing these things that are so like unethical, like, things I, I definitely would not do. Like I would not let a client come over and sleep in my house, but he does it as a way to heal himself from the loss of his wife. And it's oh. so great because he's seen how just being more brave with his clients and just telling them the stuff that they need and giving them new different weird um, experiences is healing them and himself. So anyways, it was no. just affirming. I think that (laughs) it's incredibly relatable and I, I, I can relate, I can relate to that. Like feeling like, um, I don't, I don't know, feeling like people in the mental health profession are so, um, unreachable, like, like they've got their shit together and you're here to be like, no guys, I'm just like you. I'm figuring it out as I go and, and I'm here to share. And it, and it sounds to me like she's a fucking warrior. (laughs) (laughs) 
Thank you. You're a warrior. I'll take it. All right. So for all of our listeners, we will put all of Christy's stuff out and we hope to see everybody in France because I think Christine and I are going to try to figure out how to make this work. 100%. Yes. yes. And Christy, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for sharing your time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a complete joy. 